0: Our scripture reading is taken from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 17. And that's Colossians, not 1 Colossians. Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 17. Colossians 3, we read the following words. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is adultery. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices, and have put on the new self, which has been renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, kindness, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, at times we, as we look around us and we talk to others, you'll hear these words, well, all these things that we see, the collapse of society, the changing of laws and and the rising of an ungodly agenda. We see these wars and gas and wars in Ukraine and rumors of wars between China and other countries. And there'll be those who will say, well, these things were all prophesied in Scripture. This is what the Bible has told us what will happen. And we see it happening all around us. And They're just signs that Jesus Christ is coming and he's coming quickly. And in some ways that may be so, but yet we live in this world and what will happen in the future, we do know that Christ one day will come in glory, that's been prophesied to us by Christ himself, that one day he'll appear in the clouds as he had had gone to heaven, that there will be an end to all these things, but when that will be, God will only knows and God has called us to live now in the time in which we are now living today today is the day of the Lord today is the day that God has called us to holy living in this world and to live for his honor and for his glory in other words that we ought not to just set our minds on the coming of Christ and think well that's where it's all at and ignore our responsibilities today, which call, God has called us to do at this time. And I believe that this passage from Colossians 3 helps us in that regards. For we, for we see in this passage that the Apostle Paul is asking us to lift our eyes on the one hand to heaven, to look to Jesus as we ought to do all the time, also in this coming years, this year comes to close and this new year comes upon us to look to Jesus. That is our hope. That is our salvation. That is where God has called us to be. That one day we too will be with Christ in glory. One day we too will rule with him. And that, in that crisis, seated at the right hand of God that he is the guarantee one day we also will be with him. at the same time, the passage calls us to look at ourselves, to look at the world in which we live, and to measure the way that we live and the way that the world w- lives with those words of Christ as we have in Scripture, as we have in the Bible. How are we living? How shall we live today? And it first of all calls us to look at ourselves and to realize our sinfulness and the sinfulness of the world around us. Then finally, it calls us to dress ourselves with holiness, with justice, with knowledge, to live holy, just lives in the knowledge of that which scripture guides us and directs us through the Holy Spirit, that we may indeed live in the world that God has called us to live. So let's look at this passage we have before us, and let's see exactly how Paul um, guides us and directs us in that. First of all, it says that if you've been raised with Christ, when Paul comes to us and asks us this question, have you been raised with Christ? If you have been raised with Christ, and the reason he's writing those words is in the context of the whole book of Scripture, uh, of Colossians. Where those in, in Colossus, in Colossus were, being, were being brought to one side, to another side, looking towards rules and regulations that were above Scripture, that you ought to do this, you ought to eat this, you shouldn't eat this, you shouldn't do that, and all these different things that they were being called to do. At the same time, people were challenging to live a mystical life, to raise their eyes above that which is of the world and to kind of live above the world in kind of a mystical fashion, not be of this world, but be kind of another kind of, um, how would you say, meditation type life. And we had those in, the, in, if you go to chapter 2, um, where Paul says the following um, in chapter 2, In verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, which you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of Christ who raised him from the dead, and you who are dead in trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Then in verse 16, it says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Look to Christ. <laughs> let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going into details about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous minds. It's all just of the mind, the kind of Gnostic-type living and not focusing on that which we have in Scripture. And not holding fast, Paul says, to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. And so Paul tells us in verse in chapter 3, if then you've been raised with Christ, if you identify with the head of of the church. If you belong to him, if you follow him, if you listen to his word, focus on that. That is sufficient. God has come to us and God has come to us through the words of scripture. Hold on to that. May that be your guide for holy living, for holy knowledge before his presence. So if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, not in your mind, not in a mystical living, but seek the things of Christ, Christ Jesus, who is sitting at the right hand of God. He is our Lord, and He is our Savior. He is the one who, through His Spirit, has granted us new life to live in Him. It's His Spirit that has regenerated us, so we may indeed be called His people. We could even say more. Even before the foundation of the world, God had decided that we would be His. That He had decided He would call us out one day to belong to His people, to be a part of His people, be a part of His body. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Look to Christ. Look to that which you is your hope. Heavenly the, the heavenly dwelling, dwelling before the face of your God. <laughs> Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are earth, for you have been you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So as we live our lives today, as we seek to live for his glory and for his honor. We have to ask ourselves, are we seeking to live in Christ? Are we looking each day to Christ? Are we finding our strength in Christ? Of course, then the question is, how do we do that? And the scripture is very clear. We read the Bible. As we teach our children, read the Bible, and pray every day. We read scripture. We seek to understand the words of scripture. We meditate in the word of God. The the word of God, the law of God, is a light upon our paths. And so we need to come to Scripture. We need to read Scripture. We need to understand Scripture. We need to meditate upon it. We need to guard it in our hearts. It shouldn't just be in our Bibles, just not on an app on our phone. We need to have the, the Bible in our hearts. It needs to guide our life each and every day. Coming to Scripture, reading Scripture, studying Scripture, And then coming to our God and praying to God each and every day, not just for family devotions, but private prayer, pleading to God that he indeed may reveal to us all that we stand in need of. Each and every day, coming to our God, looking to Christ, seeking Christ, remembering that he is our glory and that one day he will return. But to also live each day before his face, seeking to live according to His commands, finding our strength in Scripture. Is that the way that you live? For when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. But then Paul comes with all those distractions that we have in life, in the life all around us and the life inside us. That what the world offers to us, and that we even have within our own hearts, which the devil stimulates us with and asks us to follow. That's what we have in verse 5. where Paul comes with these words, put to death, therefore, what is earthly, and where is it? In you. What is earthly in you. As you put on Christ, as we look to Christ, as we meditate on Christ through the words of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit, as we pray to our God. At the same time, Paul says, "But we have something that's even within us. The temptations of our fleshly nature, the law of the flesh that comes to us and seeks to be guileless and seeks to separate us from the love of God. And seeks to entice us and bring us down to be at the same level as the world around us. Because the world comes to us every single day. And it brings to us all these temptations in the ads, in the pictures, in the videos, in the world that we see, in the stores, everywhere. The world comes to us in the schools, through the politicians, through the media. And it comes to us and entices us. And our own fleshly nature within us continually drives us to look, to see, to taste. And so Paul comes to us and says, put to death every single day. We come to our Lord in prayer and meditation upon his word. Put to death all these things that are within us. What things? Well, he starts off the list, sexual immorality. And isn't it true that those are the laws that the world is seeking and has passed, that sexual immorality is just the way we are? Follow your desires. Follow the inner being. Look to that person within you. Find fulfillment in following these desires, these passions. These are who you really are. And the world seeks to convince us, to separate us from the norms of God, the commandments that he has given to us, and just to follow the flow of the world around us. And it is pointed to us as something that's so easy to do, and our own fleshly nature says, that's right, those are my passions, those are my desires, are they so easy? And so many people get caught up in following the sexual desires and they find themselves trapped. Once they get into this world, it just seems to take them and carry them along and along and along. And we can come to church, and yet those desires are within us. We can be married, and yet those desires are within us to follow our fleshly nature in our own inner being. And Paul says, this is wrong. We have to put it to death. Put to death these inner desires, these impure thoughts, these these desires that are contrary to what Scripture has said. Put to death sexual immorality. It says impurity, um, passion, evil desire. And covetousness, he doesn't just talk about desires, he says evil desires. These desires are from the evil one. This is the world of darkness. This is the world that is contrary to all that God has commanded us in Scripture. We must not follow this world. This may be what's around us. But that which is in us must be put to death if it's contrary to that which is in Scripture. And Paul says, says very clearly why. Because all of this is idolatry. It takes us from one commandment through the other commandments all the way to the first commandment. Who is your God? Is the God of Scripture your God, the one who has given us his commands, the one who has decreed all things, who has created all things according to his word, as we look at creation, everything that we see around us? Has come through the word of God. God has God declared his word and he made the world in which we live. This world belongs to God. It's God's world. And as he is the one who's over all things and continues to control all things, he comes to us with his word and he says, This is how you ought to live in my world. But because of sin, because of the evil world, because of the evil one, this world is contaminated and follows the, 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 the spirit of darkness, the devil, the evil one, and, seeks, and, and, and the devil seeks to then raise himself up to be a contrary God to our God, the gods of this world who are nothing but an imitation of the evil one. And so God calls us then to put aside adultery and to follow him. Therefore, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is adultery. And said, then Paul says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So even as we wait the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, as he will return, at the same time, the world is preparing for judgment day, for the day of wrath. In the world will be found wanting that it has not fulfilled the commands of God. It has lived against, against God, and it will be judged for all that it has done. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And Paul, Paul says in verse 7, In these you once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. One day you were walking in these ways. We can say, even if we reflect upon our lives this past year, we can say many times we found ourselves caught up. We found ourselves caught up in that which was not good, that was not in accord with the Word of God. We've talked about sexual immorality, purity, passion, desires, covetousness, but then Paul adds other things to this list. As we see this other list, it brings us closer to home. For Paul says, but now you must put them all away. What away? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouths. Let's put all these things away. What comes out of your mouth? Not just when you're in church, not just when you're singing the psalms and the hymns. When you're out there in the world, when you're with your family, what comes out of your mouth? So easy we'll say things that hurt. So easy we'll say things to our own loved ones that we ought not to be saying. We can be so critical. We can be so hard. And Paul says, put these things all away. You belong to God. You have been raised with Christ. You are to look to Christ. He's your glory. He's the one you live for. Do you talk as if you belong to God, as if you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? What comes out of your mouth? And that's not so easy. Because some of those who seem, on one hand, to be fighting the same things we are fighting with, will use filthy language. And this language can just work itself into our own minds, into our own brains. And suddenly we find ourselves thinking just as the world thinks. And thinking then can be so easy to express. What comes out of your mouth? And Paul says, put away all these things, the anger, the wrath, the rage, the rage against the politicians who seem to be destroying our country. But I'll put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth, and then Paul says, and do not lie to one another. seeing that if you put off the old self with this practice and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. What's the way to God? The way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. He comes declaring to us the truth of God, the truth of all that there is. in the essence. To put that truth upon our lips. To not lie. To always be saying that which is in accord with his will. And in accord with his scripture. And yet it's so easy to get caught up in the lie. And God wants us to always be expressing each and every single day that which is true which is in accord with his will. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practice and put on the new self. Which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creation, of its creator. Here there's not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, fl- free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on that which is of the new self. And the first thing Paul speaks about is knowledge. And he's countering that pre-Gnostic knowledge that there was in, in Colossus, that, that mysticism, that seeking to empty your mind and just meditate, and that makes you a special person. Paul's speaking about the knowledge of Scripture, the wisdom of God, to be not double-minded, to not be immersed in sin, but to put on the knowledge of that which is good and pleasing in the sight of our God, to fill up our minds to meditate upon Scripture, to meditate upon our God, to get to know Him more and more and more. And then we come to the third part. That's in verse twelve. He says, "Put on then as God's chosen ho- as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved." And here we come to that list that's against that list or contrary to a list we have in in, in verses. Um, 5 to 10, where he says, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. How often do you hear of the workplace? Being toxic. Everybody's just needling each other. Everybody's just criticizing it. There's just these internal fights, gossip, and rage, and and all these things that are going on. Well, here Paul talks about a complete different way to live. And if we could just meditate upon these things, where he says we must be God's ho- chosen one, holy and beloved. Again, as we meditate upon Scripture think that God had chosen us even before the foundation of the world to be his people. What a privilege. What a privilege that even before the foundation of the world, God God had already decided that through Christ Jesus, through the blood of Christ, we would be his own. And God had chosen us to live holy and just lives in his presence. That's what God had decided. And then God grants the indwelling of his Holy Spirit within our lives to do just that, that we would live for God's honor and for his glory. God's chosen people. He has chosen you. He knows you. He knows who you are, and he's calling you to live that out in your lives. So if we don't live there. if we live in this world, as we follow the flow of those who live around us, we are denying that which God has called us to be. We even need to come to the point of, if this is the person we are, are we indeed followers of Jesus Christ? Have we indeed been chosen by him? And God calls us to come back and to listen to his voice, to listen to the voice of our God in in scripture, and to live according to his word, for he has called us out to live that way. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with each other. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That can be hard. There are people who have been wronged in high school. They'll take that all the way to the grave. They just can't forgive that which has had been done. Politicians that says, well, there's so many things I can forgive. But that past, that thing, never will I forgive. And they take vengeance of their own hands. But God calls us as a people to forgive, Lord, go to our Lord and ask Him forgiveness, just as our Lord on the cross said, "Oh Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing." This world can be so full of ignorance and so full of hate that it damages, that it destroys, that it brings down. And we, as God's people, as we even call for for God to to help us, to strengthen us, to guide and and protect at the same time God calls us to forgive and to leave vengeance in His hands. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says our Lord. So above all, put these, and then Paul said in verse 14, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that Christ came to this earth. He was born as a baby. He was crucified on the cross of Calvary, that we can be reconciled with our God, that we can be one with God, union, communion with our God, in union and communion with His people. Jesus Christ is our head, and we are the body, the church of Jesus Christ. So God calls us to peace, to, to, forgive, to, to, to repent of our sins, and to seek forgiveness in Him. He has granted us life. He has restored that relation that was broken by sin through Christ with our Father, that we can live and have life before him, living for his honor and for his glory. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, um, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called one body, and be thankful, Paul says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what God tells the the Colossians to live. Live with thankfulness in your heart. You've been saved. You've put on Christ. You've put on justice. You've put on holiness. You have this knowledge that God has granted to us in his spirit through your words. Be thankful for that. You have all that you need in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can live. We can truly live today as we fight against sin, as we fight against these temptations, as we fight against these passions, we can say, our Lord lives. He is our great and our glorious God. We can live before his presence. We can live for his glory and for his honor. He is with us. He'll never forsake us. We can live with thankfulness, saying, thank you, Lord, for being with me, for granting all that I stand That all that I stand in need of, that I may live today, at this time, where you have placed me with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do, Paul says, in word and in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we hear God speaking to us through Colossians 3, we need to ask ourselves, do I live this way? Am I seeking to live a holy and just life before Him? What am I doing with those evil desires in my inner being, the desires that continually rage against that which God commands us in His Word? Do I seek every single day not only to seek repentance of my sins, but to seek victory over my sins Through the power of the Holy Spirit, how do I live? And what do I do with the Word of God? Am I truly meditating upon the Word of God? Am I hiding that Word within my heart? Have I truly separated myself myself from this world? And am I seeking to live for the glory and honor of God? And as the world rages around us, seeking to destroy all that is good, as we see this collapse that just seems to be inevitable, that's coming upon us, do we live with thankfulness that we have the peace of God within our hearts? As we look upon a new year, do we find our hope not maybe in year 25, 2025 to be a conservative government? It'll just continue gender ideology like the other other political parties. What do you put our hope in Christ? That in the midst of all these things that are happening, Christ, Jesus is in control. That He'll never ever forsake His people, and that's where we have our hope, and that's where we have our glory. Our God reigns. All power and authority and dominion have been given to Christ Jesus. He is the victorious one and he has granted us life, eternal life, life forevermore. May that be our hope in this time. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, we come to you, and we recognize that we live in evil times, that the world rages around us, rulers seeking to undo that which is good, rejecting the church of Jesus Christ, apply to the works of darkness, they gather together, they make their plans, they make their, they make their regulations, their rules that they expect us to live by. And they say that which is wrong, that which is evil, are the foundations of our new society. Heavenly Father, that can drive us to despair and to say it's hopeless. But Heavenly Father, you are our God. You are in control of all things. You reign. We have our hope placed in Christ Jesus. He is the one, the victorious one, Who's over all things, and in him we have life, eternal life. Bless us, therefore, Lord God, and provide all that we stand in need of. We pray in Jesus' name.